0: This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds
1: Art Week. Building up your brand is important for any organization. But how do you define your brand? And what do other people think of you? Sometimes the answers to those two questions don't match up, and it's at that point that Craig Dekshneks, the Director of Content and Marketing Operations at Adderant, says that hard choices need to be made. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Craig explains why discovering outside perceptions should be a key factor in your marketing strategy. Plus, he talks about why content needs to do more than just spread your brand message, and he talks about the future of marketing. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
0: Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and I am joined by special guest. Craig, what's going on? How's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So this is actually going to be a fun episode. Well, for a number of reasons, but... um We had Chris on, who's talking kind of revenue general from general sense at Adderant, Um, and we're going to have you on to talk about your career and some of the cool stuff that you're doing with uh, content marketing. It's always fun to have uh, folks from the same org on the show. Um, But Before we get into all that, how did you get started in marketing in the first place?
2: You know, when I was a little kid, my dad was in the Navy, he was deployed, and there was... Uh, my mom was a teacher at my school and there was a guy that was my teacher that I really liked. I thought was really cool. And he left to go join an advertising agency. And I was like, wow, that sounds really, really cool. So it was kind of always on the periphery. And then I decided to study advertising marketing at college um, and went to work at an advertising agency right out of school thinking that's what the career I was going to have. I was thinking, you know, mad men all the way. <laughs> and I actually did an internship in between, I think, Junior and senior year in high school at an advertising agency, but it was like a five-person shop. So it was very collaborative and it was a lot of fun to, to get in there. And I thought, man, this is exactly what I want to do for the next, you know, 40 years. Well, a couple of years out of school, and I was like, this isn't really what I want to do. And so that's kind of why didn't you why like sw- it? It was very uh, very cold. It was it was a it was a huge advertising agency. So I was working on some pretty cool accounts, but I was. I felt like I was looking up newspaper column interest rates and putting them into Excel chart. I'm going. This is not the collaborative environment yeah. I was expecting when I when I came here. Uh, plus, you know, advertising agencies they are just their sweatshops and they they work you to death. And and I needed to make more money. Uh, I needed to kind of get out of that. So by default, I went into advertising sales and then kind of worked my way up and was with custom publishing for about ten years. After doing that, and then going on all these sales calls and, and sitting across from people that really didn't know what they were doing. I was like, I need to be sitting on that side of the desk. And that was why I switched to client side and I've been client side now uh, about 10 years.
0: I'm so curious. Uh, any early... Uh, accounts or any ad campaigns from the early days that you remember uh, that were fun? Not that we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working for Delta
2: Airlines, right? The biggest uh, airline in the Southeast. And I was working on Hardee's franchise systems. Now, I think you have Carl Jr. out here as kind of the equivalent, but they were rolling out fried chicken in all the southern states Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina. Uh, so I was, I was, actually organizing remotes, radio remotes for the grand opening and the kickoff of these different Hardy's franchise systems and their fried chicken that beat the Colonel two to one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's our claim to fame.
0: That's too funny. Any lessons from those early days? Because, you know, there's one of those, especially now, you know, like in B2B and all that stuff, we always try to find those kind of kernels of truth from like those sort of, you know, pure you know, commodity products that, you know, when you're trying to compare chicken sandwiches, you got to be really creative. Um, but, you know, people say the same thing about when you're selling software, you got to be really creative. So any any kernels of uh, wisdom from that point?
2: You know, I think the the thing that was the biggest eye-opener for me was doing just different kinds of market research. I hadn't really done that. Didn't really study that. You know, a lot of the, the theories in college were Just those, They were theories on, you know, the medium is the message and the four P's and and all that stuff was good. It was a great foundation, but in reality, actually getting out there and talking to people. And one of the things I do remember about the the Hardee's franchise is we were trying to find out what the persona of our customers was. And in the process of doing that, we actually realized it's not so much who we think they are, it's how others perceive who goes to Hardee's. And we found it was the old peoples and the Bubbas. That was what we called them because it was, it was, it was the, the guys that wanted, you know, the, the big biscuit and, or the old people. And it was like, all right, that's the perception they need to change. So that was, that was an interesting nugget. And we just got that just by talking to people. We basically, we had like a deck of a hundred, um, headshots of just various people, various races, ages, et cetera. And we told them to put them in four piles, McDonald's, Burger King, Hardee's and Wendy's. And it was amazing. All the all the uh, perceived healthy looking people were Wendy's. Um, wow! Everyone else was just kind of uh, McDonald's or Burger King split, and then all the old people and all the uh, the redneck bubbas were in the Hardys. Bucket.
0: That's so funny. So yeah. to figure out the perception of how people who shops at that's a great idea to to think about. You know, looking from a software perspective is like who buys what, right? Cause that would be like, you know, there's the cutting edge tech products, there's the legacy products, you know, who are the people that are still, oh, you're still on that sort of a thing. Um, that's a, that's actually, that's a great, that's a great, a uh, great little experiment. It was.
2: And, and, you know, as my career evolved, I tried to actually do that for, uh, as we were like starting magazines for organizations is like, okay, we, we need to I think everyone perceives themselves in a certain way, right? And companies are no different, right? Usually it's based on the founder's perception of themselves. But sometimes it's like, you need to find out, you need to, how other people view you. It might be spot on, it might be incorrect, but do we want to change it? Yeah. And how do we do that? Because it can be real eye-opening. Most people think, oh, we're a cool, hip brand. It's like, really? The public perception is that you're old, that that you're out of date, that you're out of touch.
0: Yeah, or like, you know, cool and hip and, and young, uh, you know, the, the hot startup or whatever it is. Um, that also means an experience, you know, it also means that, um, you know, yeah, you have all these people, you know, on your platform, but you've never been through, you know, whatever a recession or whatever it is, there's, there's, um, there's other negative perceptions of just like, you know, being young and hip is not uh, a good thing for a company. Um, or you've never dealt with the, like the enterprise, you know, the, the mega enterprise, the fortune 50 companies, it's like, yeah, well that was like, did you see, um, I forget somebody was in the news that they, they signed some huge deal and, uh, all of a sudden, like there was all this, uh, not backlash, but conversation about a huge mega enterprise company switching to whatever technology it was. And, all of a sudden you could see all these conversations happening on LinkedIn and Twitter and all this sort of stuff it was like, wow, I didn't know that they, they you know, punched above their weight. Like, I didn't know that they could do something like that. And I think the this, this stock even shot up or something, but just stuff like that is so fascinating to me. Like, you know, if you land a customer and it literally <laughs> gets into the news cycle, you better get ready to to promote that.
2: Right. Absolutely. And and yeah, you, see, you, you never know. A great example is what, you know, what we have accomplished at Adderant in the last five years, because... We came in to, you know, the legal industry. Well, I say we can we, we've been around in some way, shape, form or name since 1978. But in the last five years, we've really come into our own. But we're going up against these huge companies, Thomson Reuters, LexisNexis, and people are going Adderant, Adarent. how do you pronounce that? Like we had zero name recognition. Meanwhile, we're going head to head with these guys. And just to even get a conversation, get an appointment with a law firm was difficult in those early days. So the challenge we had was to the first thing we had to do was really not only just increase our brand awareness, but also establish ourselves that we know what we're talking about. We, you know, thought leadership and and showing that we belong, that we actually belong in this conversation. And in the meanwhile, we had a, a awesome sales team that was that was beating the other guys. And so, you know, over the last three years, we've actually taken over the number one spot in the Amlaw 200. That's the largest 200 law firms in North America.
0: Well, and it's funny because you kind of have to earn the right to get the comparison, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, the other, the other, you know, sites aren't even going to list you as a competitor because uh nobody knows who you are switching that to Hey, we need to have, we need to get some, uh, some sales enablement tools here to make sure that we can, we, we can beat these folks. I'm curious. So like, as you were going through that phase, was there anything like there, were there any things that you heard from the market or, or signs that you were shifting gears from not being known into the market To being known. And then now, and then we'll get to the most recent shifts, which is being known to converting. Um, But let's start with the first one.
2: Sure. So, when, as we were starting to establish ourselves, not only um, just with our content and creating a content library, um, most of that was thought leadership, it was white papers, it was blog posts. Um, We were surprised how well our press releases were doing in terms of uh, people going, Oh, you know, wow. They got that. They got that account. They got that firm. They got and you know kind of everyone likes a winner. So that was helping spur things as well more so than than I thought. You know I thought press release. Ah, okay, well, we'll write it. We have to do it. But no, those things actually really were worth their weight in gold. So as that was happening, we were noticing not only did we have to you know scale up our staff because growth when you're signing you know you sign ten big law firms in one year, well you got to implement the software in the next year. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah that's exactly right do you have the staff for that um but from terms uh, in terms of marketing uh we saw just our web traffic go up uh, we saw uh being placed in comparison sites you know the the ones where other people rate us we wanted to step up and own our digital footprint and make sure that that with all these listing services we have the accurate information we've got the accurate logo things like that so it was really um, kind of just taking responsibility and stepping up and saying hey, we're playing with the big boys we we have to own that and that's not for the faint of heart you've got you got to get out there and and you're, there's some bumps in the road but in the process, um, we really took a look at our SEO and our SEM because a lot of the outbound stuff was now becoming inbound. When, I think when I first started in fall of 2016, I don't know the exact percentage, but I think we had a lot more outbound than we had inbound. Now it's, gosh, it's almost, it's probably like 90% inbound now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is um, that is the ultimate, this is a great use case for... Um, how to shift that content strategy where when you're sending a bunch of outbound stuff and people are going to click on that because a sales rep has been, you know, beating down their door or being annoying or <laughs> or maybe they had a productive call the things that they're looking for are very different potentially than when they come across it kind of organically where they're looking for the solution um And you kind of need to have those things. Now, a lot of those things are the same way, but the way that they're presented you know, doing something like, uh, you know, conversational marketing um, or something like that when we talk to the qualified guys. Yeah, nobody's beating down your door to go to the website to talk to a sales rep. You don't need to do that in. But now you're looking at, hey, when someone gets to the website, we need to make sure that, you know, we have a bot up or whatever, whatever that thing is to be able to convert that stuff. Uh, We were talking before this episode where you're saying uh, we need to focus on content that converts. And I love that idea where, Content for brand sake is important and there's a place for it, but then you also need content that converts. So can you kind of talk through that?
2: Sure. So uh, a lot of what we've been doing, uh, as I mentioned, was just trying to kind of establish our own credibility. So we weren't really talking product as much as we were talking kind of themes, pillars, um, you know, big value props that we know are resonating. We did that purpose. We didn't really want to talk too much product as for our outbound stuff and for our thought leadership stuff. Now that we have a lot of people coming to us, we're going okay. Well, now we have to we have to reevaluate what's an MQL and what's an SQL, right? Usually, like we we had established this is what makes it a marketing qualified lead, and then we turn it over to sales enablement, and they were to dispose of. Okay, this is a good lead. This is not with enterprise software such as ours uh, that has you know can have a sales cycle of two three years sometimes. Last thing we want to do is say, hey, look at all these leads we got. And sales people are going, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I've i already got somebody I'm meeting with next week at that firm. I'm not going to call these nine people because they came and filled out a form. Right? So no, we yeah, had totally. to reevaluate that. But yes, the content that converts, so what we're trying to do is is we're going a little bit more, um, a little less of the the heavy thought leadership and a little more, okay, you're here. You're here for a reason. And- I think one of the things that you and I originally talked about was, you know, from ABM, we, we're we actually pre- treating it as IBM, individual-based marketing, because you've got these different personas. You know, we have our software, it's software for law firms, and our main product, yeah, it's it's basically time of billing, okay? But all these acquisitions and all these add-ons, all these agnostic things that are also can be um, attributed with it, well, suddenly, yeah, there's there's a little segment of our product suite that only the lawyers and the paralegals use. Yeah, so suddenly totally. you have to talk to them, right? Before we just had to talk to the finance guy, maybe the, the, the IT guy, right? That's who you have to convince. And then there might be a senior partner. There might be a, a committee or something like that. But even, even within those two, you think about how you talk to a finance guy is totally different from the way you talk to a tech guy. Totally. Right. Even if you're, even if the message is the same, but really it's, it, it's, what are their, what do they want out of this right the 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 finance guy he's he wants efficiency he wants return on investment the the it guy he wants adoption he wants to make sure it's it's you know he has the the servers to to make this thing work right he's he cares about um adoption rates he he cares that, that the the thing works they's not going to he's not going uh, to lose his job because he tried to implement the software they can't implement um but now Yes, you've got lawyers, you've got paralegals, you've got other people up and down the food chain with, within the business of law, um, billing folks, you've got a finance department, and all these different folks have different pain points. They have different things that really resonate and speak to them. So as they are coming to our website, we want to take them on a little bit of a different journey. Before, it was a main just kind of this is the journey for everybody. Well, now we're going, okay. Well, hold on, before we get too far, what do you do? What's your role? How big is your firm, right? Because we've got different products for different, uh, different size firms and, and, and different roles. Um, and as you know, right, there are, there are decision makers, but there are also influencers. And so you got to talk to all of them. And you want to get them all to not just raise their hand and want more information, but actually we want them to fill out a form and say, yeah, I, I want to I see a demo. I want to see this thing in action. And that is the new MQL.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I'm curious if there were kind of times throughout that journey where you're saying, you know, these are the five personas, for example, that we know we need to work on. How do you prioritize? Like, are you prioritizing? Cause sales said they want that. Are you prior- prioritizing based off of some like market research? What were you looking at that? I think at
2: first we were, we were just whoever we can get, yeah. right? I think now that we've, that we, it's starting to come back to us, I think we are finding out who they are earlier on saying, okay, well, you know what? If you're not an IT guy, we're not going to get into much of the the technical part, right? If you're not a finance guy, we're not really going to get into return on investment. You're a a lawyer, we want to show you easy use. We want to show how how easy it is to, to pull out your phone and record a billable hour right which is everything for yeah yeah, yeah. for the lawyer but uh, it's it's amazing how difficult it has become uh, the not only with just alternative fee arrangements by clients but you also have uh, billing guidelines that are are so complex and they are different from uh, firm to firm I'm uh, sorry from different from client to client and then also on the other end of it when it comes time to send out bills you know everybody wants a, an, an e billing they want you to go through e-billing platform. Well, how many of those are there out there? Like 15, 20, yeah. 50? And so each one has its own little quirks and things like that. So we've got solutions all up and down that line, starting with mobile time input all the way through billing and e-billing
0: compliance. So, but when you were creating the content, when you had your team that was sitting there like, how do we prioritize which ones to make? Like, were you... Um, you know, because you only have a limited bandwidth, you only have a limited number of your teams. What is the order in which we're going to be like creating these assets?
2: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, uh, it, it all goes back to, you know, you you can't forget your roots, right? Time and billing, time and billing software. So it is going to be the finance guy, and it's that that would be the you think of like the CFO and the CIO. Those yeah. those are going to be our our priorities, um, and that's where we're going to spend. Uh, Probably not 80% of the time, it wouldn't be 80, 20, but it's probably going to be 65 to 70 because they are ultimately going to be uh, oftentimes the decision maker or the main influencer of the decision maker.
0: Last question on the the idea of content that converts. Um, You kind of talked a little bit about how it was the product and maybe features that certain people wanted that were maybe helping that, but was there kind of like a mindset, like as you were like giving this to your team to say, Hey, we're going to do a thought leadership piece versus uh, like an awareness piece versus a piece of content that converts. How, what's the like kind of mindset shift there?
2: I always like to go back to the Simon Sinek start with why. And so if this product for example is for this type of person you got to get to what what do they care about what is their why and that's what you want to find out you know how our product how our software our different solution can actually address their why what they care about the most like you know features and benefits are great but uh, it's like shiny keys right do they actually run the car yeah yeah exactly and so i think that's you you try to get your your folks to to think about think about the why, like Simon Sinek says, you know, think from the inside out, but then make sure that you're not, you know, not, not everything is, is going to change the world. Not everything is, is this, this, uh, pie in the sky thing, right? It can just be a simple phrase that, you know, this, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I get it. Yes. That that's now you get me. We want them to say, yeah, you get me. Okay, good.
0: Yeah. I, I, there's this great, um, add on the 101 that, that Twilio's had for a long time that says, ask your developer. Um, and I always thought that was like, what a great account-based approach, right? Is like, ask your developer what Twilio is. Like that's, you know, whatever. Um, I just, and it was like that phrase, so it's like, what the heck is this company? I don't know what they do, like sort of ask your developer thing. But I kind of, I think about that with like, with, with lawyers where it's like, they all hate recording billable hours for a fact um and it seems like you know a lot of the stuff that you've been able to be successful with is but they're not but they're a huge stakeholder but they're not in most cases the person writing the check or vetting software most certainly not so um it just seems like you've kind of got you've kind of got that question down of like, hey, we know you hate this. Like, here's the people to
2: yes. talk to. And and the phrase there would be, we want to make it ridiculously easy for you to enter your time. Yeah. And they're going, okay, talk to me. Tell me more. Right. They're willing to listen, as opposed to, hey, I got this great little gadget. Look at all these buttons. Is it gonna make it easier for me to keep my time? Okay, tell me how.
0: Lawyers also a technology averse group, <laughs> I'd imagine.
2: I think well, they've always, I think, tended to be um, laggards, just the industry itself is very conservative. And I don't mean in a, in a political sense, just, they're just very conservative. It's like, Hey, we've, we've done things, you know, our law firm's 150 years old, right? We've, we've grown every single year. Yeah, We're going to be here in hundred. Yeah. We're going to be here for the next 150. So I think they're just, they're just like, take it slow. Like we don't, okay. We we don't want to upset the apple cart here. And, and, um, that's why, you know, our sales cycle is as long as it is because they're talking about, you know, a practice management, software solution that they're going to have for 10 20 years right and that's not something you know because the 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 cost of it and the amount of time for, to implement it that's not something that's not a decision they're going to make every year and they're going to ah eh, we don't like this we're going to switch something else uh uh-uh. uh they're making a decision that's going to affect their firm for the next generation and so they want to make the right one and we get that and and we totally understand and and we we empathize with that yeah yeah you should take your time we're we're glad you're doing that, as opposed to one meeting with one salesperson, they go, all right, sure, let's do it. It gave us the seat at the table.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. That is the ultimate, you know, sell how your, your buyers are going to buy thing, right? And they could point to like market in that way too. Because I think that that's always a big thing is like, you know, uh, marketing is over promising what product can do. Uh and then sales is over, promising what marketing can do. So it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, we'll get you set up in, in, you know, 15 days. And products like, wait, how did... It's like you're playing <laughs> playing promise telephone. And right. it's like, I can, we can do it in six months. We can do it in three months. We can do it in one month. Switching to just marketing in general. Um, what are you excited about for, for future marketing? What are some of the stuff that you've seen that uh, that you're fired up about?
2: I tell you, podcasts are, I think those... Hey, now. Hey, um, Yeah, he he paid me to say that. I hear those are great. (laughs) Now, I've actually, um, uh, you and I were talking uh, before the show, just, you know, I I think people have just media exhaustion, not just from just social media and and everything, you know, all, all the noise out there, which is, it's always been the case even when, you know, I first started. There's a lot of noise out there. Well, there's a ton more now, but I think podcasts offer a relief. This is the only medium left where I feel like there's true dialogue going on. Right. You and I are sitting here having a conversation. And whether we agree or disagree, we're having a civil conversation. We're sharing some ideas and stuff. And I think that is a nice relief from watching news, watching, you know, reading articles, uh, going through your your news feed on LinkedIn or Twitter or, or Facebook. And there's just there's a lot of uh it just seems like it, it's a lot of monologue out there. Everyone wants the zinger, everyone wants the retweet, everyone wants the hashtag, and and I think people are just like, oh my gosh, I I I want to put in my earbuds. I just like to listen to something I'm interested in. Yeah. So I made the, I made a prediction, um, with, uh, friend of mine, Frank Strong, who's a blogger, and he asked me to make a prediction, a marketing prediction for 2020. And I predicted that, that advertising revenue on podcasts is going to exceed a billion. I think most of the experts are saying like maybe five or $600 million. Um, I just picked a billion just because, of, Hey, it's a nice round number. But I, the point is just that I think that, that podcasts are going to continue to expand at an exponential rate.
0: Yeah. I obviously am extremely bullish, but I, I think, um, I just think it's like so inevitable that everyone listened to radio in their cars. And then that we got radio on our phones and with things like Spotify and, you know, whatever, Pandora. And we just never really got that for like, you know, audio programs. And the experience of lis- listening to a podcast is so much better than the experience of listening to the radio. Like it was so much like the, the good thing, the utility of the radio was that you could push the button and that it would turn on to something. Um, So you had kind of that spontaneity feel, Um, but almost every other thing about it was horrible, including (laughs) so everything like coming up, you know, you got, we got news weather and then we're going to get it, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's just like packed with commercials, you know, podcasts, even with, you know, commercials and, and ad reads and things like that. It's like nowhere close. And, uh, and it's just, it's just a better experience overall. Like the AirPods being around and just advances and you carry everything with your phone. It's just, it, it seems very inevitable. Uh, I like the prediction. I don't, I hope we hit it. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, you know, but it just, it feels like you can go, have true nuance uh with with podcasts and uh and you know it's easy to make one, but it's hard to make a great one and I think that like that sort of self selection and stuff is we're just at the cutting edge
2: i agree and and like you and I are talking about it's 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 building communities around these podcasts right and and yeah obviously you you want to monetize it you want you want to be able to pay for the party at the, at the end of the day, but i think it's you know, it's, it's call it social media 2.0 maybe, right? Because Facebook and, and was, that was, had a certain intent. And then it kind of, it broke into groups and, and, and units and things like that. And now it's just, it's taken off to the point where it's like, I I don't even know what it is anymore. Right.
0: And it's something different to everyone. And you, they monetize every moment of the every transaction. And like, that's just, it's tough. Um, I mean it's the most sophisticated, you know, ad platform ever built and it feels like that when you're on it. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like it's you know. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know the exact, you know, numbers behind that or Instagram. And I think Instagram ads are are actually really, really good. Um and you know, I think that they're going to make a ton of money on that. But I think even still, I mean, I don't know if it's like one to one, every six posts or seven posts or whatever it is. I'm like, can we get some like preto principle here? Like, <laughs> can we go like one ever like one ever or two every, every 10 and then just like maybe double that? Like how about like one every 20 posts? It feels like there's still just so much advertising, even on Instagram. Um, but, uh, but you know, a lot of that stuff works really, really well. For what it's, what you're doing. But if you're selling software, if you're selling, you know, an enterprise solution, if you're selling, you know, F-35s, like probably not going (laughs) to, probably not going to convert. I would
2: yeah I'd like to see a, an ad for that on Instagram that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> you know it it is interesting too we were talking about uh, you know digital kind of the the coming of age of of digital advertising right cuz you know when I first started uh, we were talking earlier about my my time at uh, advertising agency there was print radio tv and outdoor that was it right, right? and then well I've kind of seen this evolution grown up with it and and um or at least uh, matured with it and um you know what I see now is it is brilliant with the with the way, um, you know, through the IP address and, and through your your tendencies and things like that to get certain ads. But I'm, I'm still waiting for it to take the next step, and I think we should have gotten there already. You know, I if, if I go online to, let's just say, target.com, and I, I look up khaki pants, okay, well, instead of waiting two days for it to get here, there is a target down the street. So now that I know they have these and I have this brand, I'm going to go get it. Well, now I'm getting ads for that same khaki pant for the next, you know, three, four five months. It's like yeah. the technology exists. You know, you know who I am. You should know that I paid for it with my credit card. Yeah. You should know that I've already bought that. Why not advertise a pair of shoes that go with it or a belt or, or a shirt or something like that? Right. Why haven't we gotten there yet? Is it, is it laziness?
0: I mean, it's like, we might, I think, I think some marketers are already there. I think, you know, Amazon's whole platform is already there. Um, but yeah, I, I know. That's I, assuming you bought it from Amazon. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm with you. Um, and I think you know the 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 ads that follow people around everywhere, which is everyone now. Um, I'm just I'm curious. I think generally, generally speaking, is like I truly think people really don't care that much about ads. Like I don't think that they are really as offended by them. I think people who are vocal about it but there is a certain sense that so many people talk about is blank listening that like at a certain time, there's going to be a level of like a distrust plateau or something where people are just distrust like, plateau. I love you know, that. Well, like my mom's not going to turn on an ad blocker, right? But there is a certain point. Like I, I've told this story on the show before where we couldn't see some of the stuff that we were running uh, for marketing trends cause we were running some stuff and, uh, I was like, I can't see this stuff. And it turned out I had an ad blocker on. Like, I don't remember <laughs> even turning it on. I had no, like, seriously, I have no recollection of when I did that. Um, but I think that there are going to be some things like that. Um, and while we're on the subject, can we please have easier opt-outs for snail mail? Because that is an atrocity of how much garbage that we get sent to us and like how many trees are yeah, cut down We were told 10 15 years ago mail was going to cease to exist i'm getting more yeah i get way more and yeah. i get way more robocalls yeah i'm like we're we're like gdpr is like going crazy on a lot of the digital stuff i'm like now but i get i mean how many robocalls do you get a day
2: i mean i i figure if, if someone if i don't recognize the number i'm not answering it
0: yeah it's, i mean i easily easily 10 for me a day um i'm like how is this better and the thing is your phone number is like your social security number now yeah because it's like you use it to authenticate so much stuff um like you're you have probably two fat two factor authentication on like you know, all your bank accounts to your phone. And I'm like, yet how many people have my number? The, I, I get texted every day and it's like, hey, Nathaniel, um, do you want to donate to Bernie or do you want to donate to Bloomberg or do you want to donate to Trump or whatever? I'm like, my name's not even Nathaniel. Like, <laughs> who is this person? Did,
2: um, yeah, did, did you recently get a new cell phone as a recycled number? No, no,
0: huh. this is this is a de- it's like 15 year old number. Wow. Um I, you know who knows but i think that to that all that to say is that marketers now have an opportunity to really create cool journeys for people um which is you know to your pants thing of like there's um there's a journey to be made for for that thing i don't know what it is but that's beyond just like you know following someone around with an ad for pants they already bought do you think you know, while we're on the subject of of journeys uh, and campaigns broadly, um, what are some of the campaigns that you've either done in your career that you loved, uh, or you know, ones that you've done recently at Adderant or just ones that you've seen in the wild that you're particularly a fan of? the The
2: days of the the big Super Bowl splash, you know, are, are that has kind of evolved to. I think Apple kind of made it famous in 1984 when they, you know, and yeah. they just sort of that sent it off and then you had Pepsi doing it for a while and Doritos and then they do some really creative stuff but I think now what you're you're seeing is is companies doing a big push around Super Bowl but they're starting it way earlier yeah. so by the time they actually get to the Super Bowl it's it's almost um like you've seen the, the entire campaign they're just reinforcing it. Um I I can tell you that I'm so sick of the Geico Pinocchio commercials that are on <laughs> everywhere and they're on like every commercial break. Um, so I, you asked me with ones that I, re, I admire, ones I really enjoyed for me. It's for Delta airlines. We were running like, okay, we're, we're having a, a fair sale, right? So we got to run all in these 152 newspapers. We got to run this ad now with, you know, with, with, with add on with, with you've got, you're doing, you're not just doing a print campaign. You're doing radio, you're doing TV, you're doing online, you're, you're, you've got a whole package going and I guess what I like to see is is someone or a company or even just like an organization be successful and actually go from, you know, zero to 60 on the strength of a clever marketing campaign. And when I say clever, I'm not talking about like, like a catchy, you know, where's the beef, but I just think, you know, they, they chose, right. They chose the media, right. They chose the message, right. And it resonated with people. And I love when I love hearing stories about that. When I interview people, I, I ask them that exact same question, you know, Tell me about like what 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 do you really enjoy about marketing like uh, like doing a campaign? What what is it that that you enjoy the most about? Because I, I just want to hear them express themselves. And you you can tell people just like oh it's it's so cool when you you have this idea, you work really really hard on it, you get um, manager buy in, and you actually run the thing, and it's successful and it's tangible, right? Our my my boss he says. If we can't measure it, we're not gonna do it. Yeah. it. I know there's plenty of stuff out there that you can say it's immeasurable, but I'm sorry if I can't measure, I can't do it. We just don't have the budget to do it. We're not, we're not Coca-Cola. We don't have, you know, a hundred million dollars to spend in the first quarter, right?
0: <laughs> well, and that is that is, I think, the the new mantra where where you start to get arbitrage for, for bigger companies that do have a lot of money. Right. Is like, and you actually, we saw this with Facebook where like Facebook was super affordable until it wasn't. And then it was like, um, okay, we know we still have to run X amount of stuff. Um, you know, I I'm sure it's probably still this way that 80% ad ad money is spent on Google and Facebook. Like, you know, you're, you're blocking and tackling that you have to do now for those two things. But, um, but there is, opportunities and things like outdoor or, you know, people creating magazines or like all sorts of different stuff now because of the fact that, you know, you have so many marketers that are like, hey, if we can't measure this, um, you know, we can't do it. And then, you know, we had a great, uh, great guest on the SVP of uh, of growth at uh, at Grubhub where they were talking about how they were measuring their TV, their local TV spots and it was fascinating how they were doing it and like that's the next level i think for for the best marketers is to figure out how you can measure uh not very difficult to measure things and like that to me is um is really really going to be cutting edge in the, in the next wave yeah
2: and and you know we did we did something uh, a couple years ago um, and it just sort of, it, it took on life of its own and it ended up being very, very successful. Uh, but more along the lines of, okay, we were, we were in discussions with like these eight firms, right? So it was account-based and it, but we didn't actually get too persona-based because we, we kind of, we knew like the important one or two people and we sent them a direct mail campaign and there was nothing really especially clever about it, right? But I think we won seven, eight, seven of those eight deals. Wow. Okay. So, Fantastic. Was it because of this advertising? Was it because of No. I mean, we can't say for sure it was, but that was the conversation or, or that was, we contributed to it. And what one thing we noticed in the last three years, as we went back and kind of analyzed, um, as we were doing, uh, some of these, uh, some of these outbound campaigns and stuff was that when we were getting near decision time for these firms, we could like see what kind of content, how many people at their, Mm-hmm. at their firm and how many times were they consuming our content. And it was amazing we could almost draw a line and we could predict with about 90% certainty which deals we were going to win and which deals we weren't. Yeah. Based on that. And so that was kind of cool. Again, it wasn't a direct hey because of this then this. It wasn't a direct if A then B, but it was like a if A probably B, maybe C. It was but it was it was interesting to to see that and and um so you take but, these learnings and you you apply it
0: to the next thing. That's the old uh, correlation doesn't equal causation, right? It's yes. like we know that when like when the director of IT downloads this white paper that we close the deal 75% of the time after. Well, the reason why they download that white paper is because everyone else in the entire account has already signed off. And they're like, hey, this is the implementation guide, we'll call it. Um, And they're like, hey, go figure out how to implement this before we buy it. Right. And then it's like, then they download the implementation guide. Yes. You're like, well, we always, why don't we just put the implementation guide out? Because if they download that, then it's like, no, it's because, it's, it's because right. of all the other shaping that we've done yes. that they get to that there point. There were
2: 98 steps out of a hundred that had, that had to be taken before that step.
0: Anything that you put special in the, uh, in the, uh, in the direct mail campaign?
2: No, it was, it was, uh, the whole idea was kind of just getting beyond the status quo. And, um, the way our designer kind of designed getting me on the status quo was more just like a like a rocket ship taken off so that kind of took on a life of its own so it ended up being a space themed thing but it was it was all about just status quo so um they got uh, if in the united states they got a little spaceman with their Adderant logo on yeah. it. and if you were uh, in europe you just you got a rocket ship with a little spongy rocket you know it was a little stress toy type of thing oh nice but yeah it was just it was a fun little thing um and again you know it's it's something that was it went out to maybe 200 people. A relatively inexpensive thing, but it was very targeted, very account based, and even individual based. And uh, you know, hopefully, it was memorable. Yeah, it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna win any addies or anything like that. But it was, you know, it was hopefully memorable, and at least it gave us another touch point. Right? The salespeople they have to gauge how often they make a call, how often they go in, right? And marketing has to take that in consideration too, especially when you're talking about pushing when you're sending something to somebody, whether it's an email or something, you've got to take that into account and you got to be on the same page and make sure that you're staying relevant without being a pain in the neck.
0: Let's get into our lightning round marketing trends. is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction, automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer. Journey. Salesforce brings marketing engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing, salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions, Craig. Are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun?
2: Gotta be Golf Clash. <laughs> <laughs> if you play that, but it's uh, it's a series of one-on-one. Uh, you play a golf hole against somebody else online and, and you earn clan points and it's just, it's it's so
0: addictive. What? is the one, number one piece of advice when you sit your son down as he's getting at he's, as he's, as he's first getting into Stanford, what was the thing that you sat down and you said, son, remember this?
2: <laughs> I think, you know, what I told him was, was that, you know, he's, he's used to being extremely successful yeah, and being the best or the number one or, or near at or near the top. And when he gets there, everybody's going to be that. So you you still might emerge again at the top of the heap, but if you don't, it's not the end of the world, right? Don't, don't beat yourself up. It's, you've worked really, really hard to get here. Um,
0: now the fun begins. Exactly.
2: But I, I think the, the message to both our kids was, you know, you get to, you get to high school graduation. It feels like the end of a long journey. And I say, it, it's it's the beginning or, or, or it's the middle of the journey, right? There is there is no finish line to this thing, but don't think that it's over. It's like, it, it's a new chapter. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be difficult sometimes. It's going to be hard. But, you know, you just don't say, okay, I've arrived. I don't have to do anything else.
0: Great advice. How about what TV show or podcast are you watching or listening to right now?
2: My wife and I, we have recently discovered Peaky Blinders. On oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Netflix, I've really been enjoying that. And then the new one they've been advertising with Al Pacino uh, called Hunters. Um, I like that that genre anyway. The
0: um, Have you started Hunters? I haven't started yes, yet. Yes,
2: yes, I watched two episodes.
0: All right, is it good? It is, it's
2: really oh, enjoyable. I'll check it out.
0: Do you put a razor blade in your hat now for Peaky Blinders?
2: <laughs> no, but I recently got a haircut like uh, like Thomas Shelby.
0: <laughs> I uh, That was when I, when I started watching that and I... I <laughs> I was like, is this a thing? Like there's no way this is real. And I think it was real. I think yes. they they actually did do that.
2: I, I did immediately cause it was I was like, is this historic fiction? Yeah, because they
0: took their all the weapons away yeah. from them, right? Yeah, free. There was a crazy. lot
2: there was a lot of um I'm sure the the writers and producers took some liberties in there uh with you know away from the book and stuff like that. And and I've actually Read up a little bit of stuff just because it does interest me. But yeah, no, it was it's Peaky Blinders is is pretty accurate for Birmingham, England, right after World War One, and just the corruption and the uh, organized crime that was going on.
0: What is your hidden talent or passion?
2: Not really hidden, but um, I love to play soccer and love to talk about soccer. And who's your team? Manchester United. Oh, all right. And of course the Atlanta United where I live, uh, but uh I loved it playing um growing up and um when my kids started playing, I was really missing it and so I actually made arrangements with the local club to start an adult league. And oh, no kidding. So yeah, so I've been I've been playing for the last 15 years and the only way I can stay in Still any kind playing. Of I just recently retired uh my 50-year-old knees. We're starting to act up, so I had a little procedure done on them, non-invasive, non-surgical, <laughs> and we're going to see how that turns out, and I'll either uh, switch back to playing golf or I'll go back out on the pitch.
0: I love it. What is your favorite either shortcut or productivity hack? I have recently,
2: recently discovered um, some productivity hacks in Excel. Like most people, I learned on Excel in the early 90s when Microsoft was, you know, was the greatest thing ever. It was replacing Lotus One Two Three. as I'm dating myself there. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I, I got away from it. I, I just wasn't using it at all. And so when I finally came back to it, I didn't realize all the functionality had been added. And, and somebody showed me a few things and all of a sudden I figured out. I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is so much easier. Oh, wow, this is, I can do this so much faster. And uh, now I'm trying to teach my wife the same thing because she recently started reusing Excel.
0: What is your... Thing that you're most excited about. Other, I know we did podcasts, but um, something specific to marketing that you've been messing around with that you're really excited about for the future.
2: I guess you know, were talking earlier just kind of about the the omni channel. I'm I'm excited for not only as a consumer to start receiving more relevant ads. We were, we were talking earlier about you know like people saying they don't like the ads and the ad blockers and stuff like that. It's like I, I don't mind the ads, but if they're really not relevant to me, i I'm, I'm scratching my head and going. Who is on the other side of this? Who is who is targeting me? Who has chosen to, to target me for baby diapers when yeah. you know my, my kids are in college, right? And or I mean pick your product that, that has nothing to do with you. Um so I'm I'm excited for us to get over that hump because I think it's just it's a it's a morass right now because because of the possible is how you can get to people, how you can, whether it's on Instagram or social media or just even website, you know, stalker ads and, and things like that they discovered all that now that we're going to get smart about it and we're going to really focus. And I'm, I'm excited for that to happen. Not only uh, as a marketer myself, but as a receiver of marketing.
0: What is your best advice for someone who has just taken over a content marketing org? So we don't we don't have a ton of content marketers that we've, we've brought on the show. So I feel like this is, we need this insight.
2: I think the first thing I would tell them is, make sure as always you know you got to know who your audience is and and whether that's different personas or you know is is it multiple is it single really you've got to know what that is and then you've got to as we we're talking earlier about with Simon said, you got to get to their why you got to find out what makes them tick what their pain points are and that's what you got to write to and you got to be authentic you can't be you, know, you, you can't be sneaking little Little cliched things in there. You need to be authentic to them. You to say, hey, and, and that doesn't, not everything has to be a 1500 word you know, yeah. white paper or something like that. It's, it's okay to just have a conversation and say, hey, you know what? That's, that's interesting. I, I, yes, I, I would like to see that too. Let's, let's see what we can do about it. Let's see if we can figure this out together. Uh, from a content marketing standpoint, though, content is king. And, but I, I think the lesson for them would be you don't necessarily need more content you just need better content, right? Yeah. You always have to be improving it, making it better. And you know, it's, it's okay if, if, you know, two years from now, if the content you've been writing, you know, if the content I'm writing now is no longer relevant in two years, it's okay to archive that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to stick around. No, you never know when someone's going to no, know it's, 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 it's taking you away from where you want to go. You know, people, companies, uh, your clients are evolving all the time. Right. and, and, uh, you think about a technology that was that was very relevant 5 years ago that is not anymore well that technology isn't around it's gone right so why would you why would you have content sticking around in the archives that is no longer relevant
0: what question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often
2: how did you get so smart Craig
0: <laughs> how did you
2: <laughs> when it comes to marketers themselves i think the question they need to be asking or what they need to be focusing on is B2B. I think a lot of, especially young people, they don't understand true B2B. They think in terms of B2C. Why? Because they are consumers. They all the advertising, all the marketing they've seen, they've been experiencing as a consumer. And so they think, well, I'm going to turn around and and in a B2B platform or a B2B industry, I think they are they are still focusing on that B2C attitude. And it, it is totally different. It is, it is less salesy. It is less um you know, punchline one liners, it's and and I think that's what they need to be they need to be asked themselves, am I thinking like a B2B or am I thinking like a B2C?
0: I love it. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. That's all we got. Any uh any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No,
2: it's been a pleasure you know, meeting you finally, you and I have had some I know. have uh, have had some contact over the last couple of years, and, and as you mentioned, we had uh, Chris Cartred on uh, about eighteen months ago, I think. Now, yeah, and uh, so it's Jeez, it's fun to, to meet you in person, and uh, I wish you all the best. I, I love marking trends; I listen to it often, and uh, hopefully, you'll be part of the folks that take podcasts over to a billion dollars <laughs> in ad revenue. Yeah,
0: I'd meet too. I hope so. Thanks, brother. Thanks.
1: marketing trends podcast is brought to you by salesforce discover marketing built on the world's number one crm salesforce put your customer at the center of every interaction automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey salesforce we bring marketing and engagement together learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing